Welcome to the Violet Church Podcast, where each week you'll hear a recap of Sunday's message and receive practical, relevant, biblical perspectives on topics that matter to you. My name is Eric Flynn, and I have the privilege of serving as the executive pastor here at Violet Church. We kicked off a new series in the Gospel of Mark on January 1st titled Following Jesus, where each week we're diving deeper into God's Word and unpacking some key topics and principles. I'm very excited for today's episode as we have Pastor Mike McLeese joining us. Pastor Mike is in his 11th year as a children's pastor here at Violet Church. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Eric. I am happy to be here. Yes. First time on the podcast. Yes, it is. Been uh, able to tune in and check it out and uh, excited for my first chance to join you here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Glad you can make it in. Um, you covered this past Sunday. You landed in Mark 6, 30, verses 30 through 44. Um, any particular reason why you landed in those verses in Mark 6? Yeah, I think, uh, and I touched on this a little bit during my sermon, but I believe it's because of all of the miracles that we see Jesus doing in his time here on earth. I pointed this out. Uh, this is the only one outside of the resurrection that is recorded in all four Gospels. So because of that, it sort of felt like a no-brainer. Like, you know, this is, this is a huge deal, and this is, you know, an opportunity I have to preach on this, to share some insights on some things that were happening around this, and uh, what is it that God wants us to take away from it? You know, what are some things that he is showing us, and uh, how can I uh, be a conduit that God can uh, use me to share this message of his word and help some people maybe gain some uh, understanding of some things that maybe they hadn't seen before, maybe some things that are just reminders uh, from this story so it, it, it felt like an, an easy choice for me. Yeah, yeah. well, that's a great share of good reasons as to why you would land here. Um, you titled the message, Following Jesus When We Are Tired and Have Little to Give. And the, you, you had mentioned that the core truth of, of that message was, even when you're tired and have little to give, always be ready to follow Jesus. Just start where you are, use what you have, do what you can, then watch Jesus multiply your efforts. Um, I think we all can be tired at times, <laughs> and I think sometimes we feel like, "What can I? What can I give to Jesus?" You know, I don't have this skill set. I'm not. I'm not a leader. I'm not a. Uh, you know, versed. You know, I don't memorize the Bible. I don't have it all together, per se. Right. So when we're tired and have little to give. Around those core, tr around those core truths specifically, is there anything that you can unpack around that? Yeah, absolutely. So, just knowing human nature, and everyone's been here at different times in life. Starting with that, that just start where you are. You know, for for the disciples on that given day, they could have said, uh, like, you know, we're just so tired right now, Jesus. Um, we don't really want to start this right now, what you're telling us to do, but, you know, let us rest up and, you know, we'll get to a point where we're ready for that. And we could probably think about that with a lot of things in life, whether it is uh, some kind of uh, task that we don't like to do at home or at work, uh, whether it is uh, something that we know we just need to do. And we, do, we will come up with so many reasons to delay that, to procrastinate, to put it off. 
And, you know, you have to get the, the first step right for the rest of it to fall in place. So number one, just start where you are. Don't give any reasons to God. Don't give reasons to others. Start where you are. You are there for a reason, so, so let's do that. And then we have limited resources. You know, none of us have everything available to us. So use what you have. And then talents and abilities. Once again, we are limited in those, but do what you can. What, whatever you are able to do, do that. Because I believe that God is looking for a heart of obedience, a heart of faith, a heart of trust. So if we will start where we are, if we will use what we have, do what we can, and we're doing that because we trust, we believe, we have that faith, and that's where we can watch Jesus multiply those efforts. That's where he can do things beyond anything that we could have ever imagined possible, like we see in this, uh, in this given text in verses 30 through 44. Yeah, and I think we can really um, land on that. Just start where you are. A lot of times I feel like, um, you know, I come across and run into people, well, well, you know, if I can just kick this habit, then I'd come to church. If I could just get this cleaned up in my life, then I could come to church. Not even to go outside of spiritual. Like, um, I'll, start, I'll start exercising on Monday. Well, what's wrong with Wednesday? Like, why do you have to start on Monday, right? Like, just start where you are, yeah. where you are. You, that's good enough for God. Yeah, we, we are great excuse makers. <laughs> yes. we, it comes very natural for us, and we can justify why we're not doing something right now, and we'll come up with many reasons for why we haven't started. Mm. But it just boils down to, hey, this is where you are right now, so go ahead and take that step of faith, show that you're going to be obedient, and just start. Go ahead and do it. Yeah. God's gifted you for a reason and just start where you are and, and watch what he does. Right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So your first point there in the, in the notes and the outline, and for the listeners out there, you can find the outline at violetbaptistchurch.org or you can find it on our church center app and follow along if you'd like. But the first point, Mike, that you made on Sunday was following Jesus will require rest from ministry. Can you, can you discuss that a little bit? What does that, what does that mean? Like, a lot of us want to jump in right away, but that's not necessarily what happened here. Sure. Yeah, so of course, you know, the context to the, uh, to, to the actual text of the story is that the disciples are coming back from, from being sent out, that Jesus had sent them out, and they were doing great things in the name of Jesus. They were preaching the repentance that Jesus had preached. They were healing people. They were doing miraculous things, but when they came back from doing that ministry, they, they were tired, and the, the reason that Jesus gives for getting in the boat and going to a remote place is so they could have some rest. They had been doing ministry, but Jesus recognized, hey, it's, it's time for some rest, and you know, we, we read where, where Jesus is sleeping. You know, Jesus would get tired. He had, you know, he, he was 100% man, 100% God, and yeah. this this body that we have as, as man, you get tired. And we, we, you know, we read of him sleeping, you know, in a storm, but rest from ministry is, is a key thing. And there are some people that they just put their whole person into, I'm going to give it everything I have, and I'm just going to go a hundred miles per hour. And they need to get a good rhythm where there has to be some, some rest in there. I, I actually was just speaking with a, a, a high school friend last night, and it was sort of funny. She was telling me that at the church where, where she goes back in our hometown, she said 
that she does a program with the children, but she said they stopped that program in the summertime. And she said, I know there are some parents who would love to see that program go year round. She said, but the fact of the matter is I just need some rest at some point. And I just started laughing when she said that. And I said, did you listen to my sermon on Sunday? And she said, I haven't yet. Why? And I said, well, I said, that's actually the first point. I said, it's just funny that you, that you point that out. But that's a mature believer that will recognize I have to have some rest. If, if I'm going to be able to give my best, then that has to include rest. Because yeah. if, if you're not finding that, that time for rest, that downtime, then you're going to be running on fumes at yeah. some point. And Jesus modeled that throughout Scripture. Yes, you know, he he advance and then I don't know if retreat's the right word, but he would retreat to be with the Father to rest and refuel and then advance again. So he modeled that. So I love that point. Following Jesus will require will require rest from ministry, and in a gospel which is so fast paced and where so many things happen immediately, uh, it's a it's a striking shift in verse thirty one. So Mark six. 31, when Jesus tells the disciples to get away by themselves to rest. No doubt you could even say something about the importance of rest and maybe even tie it into a Sabbath concept. Uh, It may be a small point, but we do see that the success of the disciples and their ministry is not measured simply by how much they accomplish. Having been out on their own, now they're, they're called back to Jesus and it's, it's the same with the gospel. It's, it's, not a matter of how much we accomplish, but a matter of our relationship with the Lord. And I love that point. I love that that, that was your first point. It wasn't let's dive in and let's go, 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 but it was you have to rest. Yeah. So great, great point and great um, insights there. Well, and, and it even serves as maybe a little bit of a precursor for what we see coming later in the story because Jesus recognizes the needs of, of us as people. He, he sees what those needs are. And, of course, we, you know, we see that later on as, as he looks at the great crowd. But he understood the needs of his disciples. He understood they need rest right now. And that same Jesus who understood those needs of people now, that's the same Jesus we have a relationship with today. And he knows the needs that we have. He, and he knows that rest is a key component mm-hmm of an effective ministry, of, of an effective Christian walk and effective Christian life. Yeah. And even, I can tell you, when I don't rest, I'm cranky. <laughs> like, yeah. I think I think we can all say, you know, if we don't sleep, if we're not getting rest and time away, we're not, I, at least I'll speak for myself. I won't put everybody else in this boat, but I'm not, I'm no good to anybody else. Sure. If I'm not filled up. Yeah, that's, that's a fair statement. And, we're also not as sharp as we can yeah. be. I, I believe that we're going to have some some misses, maybe some little misses, maybe some big misses, because we're just we're, we're tired. Right. And, and when there's, you, there's little, not to interrupt, there's little misses add up to big misses. They do yeah. absolutely. So when when you can step back and look at the big picture, you see that rest has to be a part of the equation of of the Christian life. Yes, I love that point. So following Jesus when we are tired and have little to give. First point, following Jesus will require rest from ministry. Moving on to, the, to point two in your outline, following Jesus causes us to have compassion for others. We talked about everything being immediately in the fast-paced world, and I don't have time to slow down, and my schedule's full, and I have no margin. 
me, 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 me. How do I, how do I have time to have compassion for others? And, and Jesus, he displays it right here in Mark 6, 33 through 37. Can you unpack this a little bit for us? Well, to, I think to answer your question, if, if we're going to do that, if, if we're going to uh, be able to have that compassion for other people, then we need to see people through the eyes of Jesus. We need to see people the way that Jesus saw people. And what we read there is that he recognized them as sheep, but not only sheep, they were sheep without a shepherd. Yep. And that's why he had compassion on them. And as followers of Jesus, we need to recognize when we see others around us who are sheep without that shepherd. And if, if you will do that, if you will, as you said, slow down and see people as these sheep that they need Jesus. You know, the yeah. great shepherd is, is who they need. And it's sort of interesting. I, I love to dig in a little bit with, with some of this stuff. And, of course, as I mentioned, this particular miracle is mentioned, you know, besides the resurrection, the only one in all four Gospels. And if you look over in the Gospel of Matthew in this story, when it talks about this compassion, because that's what it says is he had compassion, yeah. you know, when, when he saw them, that compassion, the verb that is used in the Greek in Matthew is splankniste, and that word is for an internal organ. So basically what Matthew is telling us is that the compassion that Jesus saw for these people, that this internal organ, he felt it in his gut. And this is where we feel pain and anxiety that, that we can connect with. Oh, so that's how he felt when he saw this, this great crowd of people. Yeah, that's a great share. Something, something hurts deeply. What, what is that? Right? Like, I, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. And I loved the what to do for sheep without a shepherd. Um, and you just brought that up. And if we look at Mark 6, 34, it's... It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It reads, as he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, like you mentioned. And we've seen similar similar scenes in, in Mark. But this time, the large crowd impinges upon Jesus and the disciples' plan for a little rest, which we just talked about. But still, Jesus has compassion. Why does Jesus have compassion on them? Um because what you just said, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And that's such a powerful image to me. And I suspect many of us often feel like we are in that position sometimes. It, it, I'm, I'm going to go outside of Mark a little bit here. And if you look in chapter 10 of the Gospel of John, this image will be elaborated with a reflection on, on what it means for Jesus to be the good shepherd. For John, it ties in with Jesus being the one who knows and is known by the sheep. Most importantly, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If that is the case, then what would it look like for Jesus to show compassion to these shepherdless sheep in Mark? You might, you might be anticipating something like how, how Jesus healed the sick and he took children into the arms, but that's not what the text says here in Mark. What, what does Jesus do here? And he begins to teach them many things. So this makes me ask myself, how do I usually react to interruptions? Like they were going across there to rest, but do these interruptions, are they interruptions? 
or do they make me feel frustrated or I do, do I look at them as opportunities to meet needs? Does my attitude need to sometimes shift and change? And I love this text because it all ties together. Um, so I just wanted to, to plug that in. And sometimes I think we can not see people through the eyes of Jesus, but see them as interruptions in what I'm trying to accomplish today or tomorrow or whatever that may be and not stop and be compassionate for others. So that's, I thought that was a great share. and That was a big takeaway for me. Yeah, great connection there. And, and that's it is if we will slow down mm-hmm. and hey, is, is God showing me something here? Because I believe there's a lot of missed opportunities throughout our day, throughout our week, where we can look back and say, mm, like, I think I had a chance right there to show some compassion to someone who probably needed it, and that was a missed opportunity. And that's exactly what we do not see in the text here. Is a, a, We don't see a missed opportunity. We, we see Jesus having compassion and then modeling that for, for his disciples. Yeah, it's great share. And on top of that, the next time we feel an interruption, we feel it may be an interruption. Um, let, let our hearts kind of transform a little bit here and say, this is an opportunity God's presenting us to have a gospel conversation with this individual, whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I love that point. Following Jesus causes us to have compassion for others. Is there anything else around that that you want to unpack before we move on to the third point there? No, I, I think that's pretty good. That's that's the, the gist of what's trying to get across there is if we will see these folks the way that Jesus is seeing them, then that's going to be a game changer in the way that we're operating in our day-to-day. Yeah. So moving on to point three, following Jesus prompts us to meet the needs of others. doesn't necessarily say following Jesus prompts us to meet the needs that I want to happen right yeah it's 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 serving others and meeting the needs of others can you can you just unpack this for us a little bit here yeah exactly so if if we're going to be following Jesus then we will start to have those eyes of compassion we'll f- maybe hopefully fill it in our gut the way that you like oh i hurt for this person and what can i do what needs does this person have that that i can be a difference maker i can maybe change this situation and i believe that's something that we here at Violet are doing regularly for our community. I think we're always looking for opportunities to serve where there are needs. But the cool thing about this is, you know, what we see in this story is Jesus, the first thing he did, we see you just mentioned it, was he, he taught them. Mm-hmm. He was teaching them spiritual things. He was, he, he was understanding that these sheep that don't have a shepherd, I am that shepherd, and, you know, here's my chance to, to teach this, this great crowd. But then it's going to transition into meeting the the physical needs also. So Jesus, and I talked about this in the sermon, he is concerned about the whole person. He wants to see those physical needs met, but he understands that way more importantly are the spiritual needs. So how can we as followers of Jesus imitate that? How can we follow him in the same way that he saw others, in the same way he cared for others, the same way he was providing needs to meet others. So let's make sure that the physical needs are being met as well as we can, but then let's not neglect those spiritual needs because Jesus was doing both. Yeah, and that's a great share. How 
for the listeners out there and for myself, how do we apply that on a day-to-day basis? How do we, what are some of the, how can I meet someone's spiritual need? I think, I think most people can see, oh, there's a physical need that, that might need some attention or, um, you know, how do, how do we do this on a day-to-day basis? What's that look like? Well, I can speak of something that I've been doing for probably about a year now. And I have a group of people that I am uh, familiar with, friends with, um, neighbors, people that I know do not have a relationship with Jesus. And I have set a timer on my phone to pray for them every day. So I have a timer that goes off at a little after nine o'clock each night, and I'm praying for their spiritual needs that either God will give me that opportunity or another believer, another follower of Jesus will cross the path with them and have a chance to share. And I've been able to have some gospel conversations with, with some of these folks, and if it's not resulting in salvation, then the praying continues until we get to that point of salvation. Then, of course, it becomes discipleship, but I think if we are being intentional, that we are asking God, hey, I want to see these people saved, God. I want to see you do something great in their lives. I, I feel like carrying names of the lost before the Lord on a daily basis, I, I think that that is showing that you want to see those spiritual needs met. And like I said, my prayer each day is, God, either give me this opportunity or let someone else have that opportunity, but I just want to see these people get saved. These are people that I have had the privilege of coming to know in various means and methods, and people that I care about that don't know Jesus. And like I said, I've had some conversations, and uh, none of them have, have resulted in decision for Christ at this point. But that doesn't mean we give up, right? We continue to care for their spiritual needs, and we continue wow. to to carry their name before the Lord on a regular basis. Absolutely. So it can be as simple as as that, you know, but it's also looking looking for opportunities. Like, yeah. just be aware that uh, God will give them to us if we pray and ask for them. I, I think a lot of times as, as Christians, I don't think that we are being intentional enough. I don't think that we are asking God for those opportunities. And part of that, I think, is, is us not, um, not believing that we have the wherewithal to maybe answer all the questions or do everything that's going to be asked of us. But once again... That's exactly what we're seeing modeled in our story today. The disciples did not have all of the answers, and they knew they didn't have the resources to meet you know, all of these needs. But this is why we do what we can. We start where we are. We yeah. use what we have, and then we give it to Jesus, and we watch him do the multiplying. Yeah, and that's a great share. And, and for those listening out there, um, if you've been praying for someone and you have not seen their life change yet, Keep praying, keep praying, because it's God's timing, not our timing. And I had a lot of people praying for me, Mike. I was lost for a long time, and I truly believe, and I'm thankful for the people that didn't stop praying for me. Um, so I, I love that share, and I'm very thankful for the people that didn't say or get frustrated with me oh that's a lost cause why well, i'll just take him off my prayer list and move on to somebody else who might already be closer to god so i, I love that 
rhythm. And um, if you're applying that out there, uh, keep praying for the lost people in your world, in your circle of influence, um, because God will move. It's just on his time, not ours. Amen. It's a great share. I appreciate that. The, the last point you have here is no matter how tired you are, how little you have to give, a little can become a lot with Jesus. Anything you want to touch on with that? Yeah, this uh, just going back to the actual miracle itself, you know, the, the five loaves and the two fish, that was all the disciples were able to gather and, and they bring that to him. They're, they're bringing a little. And these guys are tired. You know, this has been, they've already been tired from before. And now they've had this big day, you know, coming about. And this is what they're able to give to him. And, and it's interesting to me because if you dig in to this, when we modern-day Americans think of a loaf, we think of like a loaf of bread like you get at the local grocery store, right? Yeah. And when you start to, to truly unpack this, you understand that when this says a loaf, this is actually referring to more like a cracker. This is more like five crackers. Like this is what a boy has brought, you know, five crackers and, and two fish for his, for his lunch. So we're not talking about a lot of even what we would think by our modern day standards. This very much is a little, but it's because the disciples were obedient and they were trusting that, hey, if Jesus is saying to do this, and, and what's neat about this, taking it back just a step before, Jesus told them, told the disciples to feed them, and they didn't understand what he yeah. was saying. He had sent them out, and they had performed miracles, and that even makes you sort of wonder, huh, like, is he saying that they had that power? Like, had he maybe given them that power, and they just hadn't tapped into it? Because how many things could we maybe be doing for the Lord, but we've limited ourselves? We, we don't know that, hey, this is something I could actually do, but we, we see it through our eyes and, and not through God's eyes. But then we see him receive that from them. You know, they, he, he takes in what, what they have got from the, the boy, and he gives thanks for it. And, and I, I even like to think of that. That had to have been an interesting scene, like that crowd watching him pray over that food. And some of them might've been thinking, did he just take that kid's lunch? And now he's thanking God for it <laughs> like, because they, they didn't know, like, you know, yeah. what's about to happen here. And what was about to happen was going to be, was going to be mind blowing. But then I, I think it's the gospel of John tells us that they went back to C Capernaum and that next day a crowd came to him and basically like they want a breakfast they're like, hey, like we saw, you know, you did it yesterday, like, like do it again. And that's where Jesus is, is telling them, well, I, I'm the bread of life. Like if, if you will partake of me, then you will never hunger. And, and he's making that jump from the physical to the spiritual. Yeah. And when we talk about, you know, a little can become a lot with Jesus, it's not just that physical, but it's the, it's the spiritual also. And we don't want to limit ourselves in a spiritual nature understanding that if, if we will be obedient to what God is calling us to, what little we have, he can do some amazing things with it. He will multiply it if, if we will give it to him and trust him with it. Yeah, that's a great share. And there's all sorts of ways we can express compassion by attending to, to pressing physical needs, uh, 
or that that people have, but it's just as important. That story that you just said is just as important for us to be educating them by clearly and faithfully speaking the gospel and just not just attending to physical needs or, or um, felt needs, but the spiritual needs as well yes. by, by education. And, and that's exactly what Jesus did in that. And he modeled that. So, Absolutely. Um, so some of the core questions you had, and this is going out to the listeners here is, are you taking time to rest? What's your schedule look like listeners? Um, do you have quiet time with the Lord? Are you making that part of your schedule? Um, and not just giving God the leftovers when you have time. Are you seeing others through the eyes of Jesus? Or are you seeing others through the eyes of your busyness? And are you giving Jesus what you have so he can multiply it? What does that mean? Are you giving Jesus what you have so he can multiply it? Um, Whether that's financial whether that's your giftingness. We're all uniquely designed. We learned that in our Next Steps class that we have monthly. If you don't know how you're gifted and how God's designed you and what your purpose is, I would encourage you, anyone listening to this, register for the Next Steps class. You can find out how God has gifted you, and you can then give to Jesus what you have so he can multiply it. Is there anything else you want to unpack around those core questions there, Mike? Just that last one. I I shared at the end of the message that there's a recipe for a miracle, and it's the four T's. And the first T is to transfer. You know, what it is that you have, transfer that to Christ. Give it to him, no matter how, how little it is, give it to him. And the second T is that it's taken by Christ. Christ is receiving that from you. And then the third T is now it's been touched by Christ. That divine touch is on whatever it is that, that you have given. And then the last one is transformed. Jesus is the only one that can transform what it is that we have given him. So transfer, taken, touched, and transformed. Those are the four T's that is the recipe for a miracle. And I believe that all of us would love to see miracles happening in our life. Anytime someone goes from death unto life, that's a miracle. That's yeah. a modern-day miracle. Yeah. This is someone that was destined for eternal death, and now they're they're headed for eternal life, and that's a miracle. Yes. Amen. Well, thanks for your time today, Mike. It was great to dig in a little bit more with you around Mark 6, specifically verses 30 through 44. Is there anything else you'd like to say or cover before we close out today? The, the last thing that I would like to share is this, and this is a quote. I did not share this in in my message on Sunday, but this is a quote that that I came across. It's a Spurgeon quote. Always good to go with a a good Spurgeon quote. But he, he said this. He said, do you think God needs our numbers? Do you think he is dependent upon human strength? I tell you, our weakness is a better weapon for God than our strength. And such a reminder there that a lot of times we focus on our weakness and like, oh, I'm, I'm so weak in this area. I have so little in this area. But like Spurgeon says there, our weakness is probably going to be a much better weapon than our strength because in our strength, we tend to depend upon ourselves, but it's in our weakness where we find ourselves depending upon the Lord. Yeah. Lean upon the Lord. That's a great share, Mike. 
Well, again, I appreciate your time. Thank you again. And thank you for all of those listening. Make sure that you follow us on all of our social media platforms, our website, violetbaptistchurch.org, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and be sure to download the Church Center app if you haven't done so already. Have a great week, everyone, and we will see you on Sunday.